listening to the Uloft Podcast, presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others, while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Okay, well, now that I've caught my breath after all that running that we just did outside, yes, I'm here with Pastor Kendall Kersey, and this is the Uloft Podcast. Hey, I have a question. Have you been running for like four months, and that's why we haven't done a podcast, or...? Yeah, I actually have just, I've just been running constantly for four months. I've um, been running and, I finally and running stopped. and running. <laughs> One day I just started running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Freaking forest. And then, uh, yeah, when I landed, I just happened to be sitting next to a podcast. Yes. Okay. So honestly, yeah, we're sorry for being gone for so long. Uh, we are back and uh, we are going to record a couple of you lost through the summer to keep you connected. So you're going to want to make sure that uh, you subscribe or that you save this podcast, download it. And that way you stay up to date. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. So today we're going to talk about calling. And I think that um, probably the most important question or maybe the beginning question when it comes to calling is how do you discern just exactly what your calling is? And so maybe where we'll start is we'll just say, what are some ways in your experience that you've been able to help other people discover their calling? So whenever you have people come into a church, I know that here at Summit, we do growth track and that kind of is like an on-ramp to try to see, I don't know, I can't remember if there's like a spiritual gifts test ad- administered during that. Uh, I know at one point there was, I'm, I'm not sure if there still is, but yeah, there was. There's yeah, so gifts. people use like <clears throat> spiritual gifts tests, they use the Enneagram, like they use these different things to kind of profile a person's personality to try to determine where their aptitudes would be or where their core competencies would be or where they would thrive um, in ministry or even just in serving God. Like I know people think about like greeting in the lobby. They don't think of that generally as a ministry, although it could be what you're called to do in the context of church, because maybe you just really like people and you really enjoy small talk. Like I know a lot of people who are uh, really good on stage, really effective communicators, and they hate small talk. Yes, I would be one of them. (laughs) I can't stand small talk. By the way, if I ever see you in the lobby or like somewhere at United or out like in about, let's please not small talk. Let's actually like talk for real. Like what is really going on in your life? What are you out actually doing? Not like, ah, oh, man, this weather's crazy. Yeah. Huh? Like, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I can't stand small. I want deep conversations. Somebody uh, should just come up to you whenever you're like tying your shoes and be like, tying your shoes, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, please don't ever do oh, that. Oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, this one, this is a tough one because man, I know people who have gone well into their young adulthood without even knowing what they want to do with their life. Whenever I graduated high school and I went to college, um, man, I had four or five different majors that were completely unrelated to each other. And I just kept switching Mm -hmm. because the real problem was I didn't know what I wanted to do. Nothing really felt right. And I think in my case, the reason was because I was living in a secular context. So nothing would have felt right because I was trying to fill a Christ shaped void with a vocation. Mm -hmm. And so there was that, but at the same time, I think even for people who follow Christ already, 
it's not easy sometimes to figure out what you're meant to be doing to figure out what your lane is. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things you, you asked, like, how have I helped people find their gifting or their calling? Um, I think that's varied over the years. Like as I've grown older, like I've learned, well, I used to fall. So I'll say this. I, I used to fall into the trap where I think a lot of, uh, church leaders or mentors quote unquote uh fall into and they're like you got to figure out what you're called to do from god like you got you got to figure it out like what is your calling what should you be doing what and we put all this pressure on people about like what are you supposed to do some will even go to the links of quote unquote uh prophesying over people and being like this is what you're called to do when really it's probably not actually prophesying i believe that that does happen but probably not, not everybody's getting prophesied over, uh, of what to do. Um, I think sometimes they're just saying, this is what I need at my church. Yeah, this is what I'm yeah. going to tell you, you should be doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I think that, uh, I think that that's a trap that I've, I have fallen into. I think it's a trap that, um, a lot of people fall into whether they're inside the church or outside, right. Is that, uh, too too early on in our lives, I actually think that we are told we have to figure out what are we going to do. I mean, think about it. Um, well, actually, even my son, uh, he's five years old. He asked me a couple of days ago, dad, what do you want me to do when I grow up? And I'm like, I don't care, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I care to some degree, but in his five-year-old brain, like, I don't care what you do when you grow up. I just want you to enjoy what you do, like, and do what you believe right. God has called you to do. And that's what I told him. And, um, but the fact that he's even thinking about that at five, it's because we ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What yeah. do you want to do when you grow up? And so like we perpetuate this cycle of, I've got to have it all figured out. I've got to know what my calling is. I've got to know what my passion is. I've got to know what this career is going to be. And that's why you have a lot of people just like you who enter into college and they change their majors and they don't really know what they want to do. And they think that they should be, uh, 100% passionate and fulfilled every moment of every day in their particular field or in their particular, uh, study. And if they're not, then, Oh, I guess this isn't what's meant for me. So let me move on because I need to be completely overwhelmed with joy every day that I wake up to go do this thing or else it's not my calling. So, Oh, I need to change my major now. Let me change my major for the fifth time. And so like, I think we have, as a culture, as a society, church and non-church have created this thing where we believe that people, that young adults need to have it all figured out right now, right in this moment. And I've perpetuated that cycle too before. I think now what I would do um, and what I think I've done recently, um, especially with people I'm close to, is I tell them like, don't have it all figured out. You wanna go to college? Then go to college for a little while. But if you don't want to go to college, and you're just doing it because you think that's the next step, then don't do it. Chill. Wait for a little while. Do something. Do an internship somewhere. Uh, go travel. Like figure out, you know, what it is that you are uh, that you are skilled for, that you are passionate for. That is part of it, but that's not the number one thing. Like that you're skilled for, that you're passionate for, and the things that God has given you. Like what gifts has He given you? Um, and so if if that doesn't require going to college, then don't do it. Like mm -hmm. don't waste your time doing that. Um, but if you don't know what you need to do and you don't have it figured out and college is a viable financial option for you, then go do that. See what happens. Yeah. I, I think that, um, there's a couple things off of that. 
the first thing that came into my mind was, do you think people ask little kids that as a form of small talk? Like, do you think that's what that's what's happening in that moment? Like, I don't know how to talk to this little child. So really, gonna... this is why I hate small talk. A hundred percent. It's because it leads to questions like that. Yeah. For my five-year-old to know who's your girlfriend and what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, shut up. He's five. Don't ask him that question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is, so I think about the opportunity cost or the maybe just the cost of not having your calling figured out and not practicing at one thing to get better and better and better at it. And there is a cost that comes with that. But then I think most people, most of the time are not using their time really efficiently. And so you could wait (laughs) until you're 35 before you figure out your lane, like Mm -hmm. the one thing. Mm -hmm. And if you pursue it efficiently, like if you use as much time as you possibly can to get better at that particular craft, you're probably still going to get ahead of your peers at that thing, even though you're starting late. So I think one of the reasons why people feel pressure is because, well, if I wait until I'm 35 or even 40 to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, then I'll fall behind all the other people that were started, had already started that mm-hmm. in their twenties. But it's not obvious to me how, if how, well people are doing even when they start young how efficiently they're using their time to pursue their craft you know because i i I feel like a lot of this pressure is coming from the competitive nature of it it's like if you if you feel like you're passionate about something you probably also want to be the best at it i think um so okay i was gonna go yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about how people spend their time i think that there is a problem with and this goes into the having to try to pigeonhole people into what they should be doing um, or making them try to figure that out too early is that you think you have a direct I think a lot of people think they have a direction they think they have a calling they think they have a line picked out for them a career picked out for them and um, they aren't passionate about it they don't really care that much about it. It doesn't really, it kind of goes along with some of their gifts and talents or skills, but they can just do it to get by. And so they either think they're called or they are told they're called into something. So that's just what they do. And they do enough to get by to be, uh, you know, to make it work, mm-hmm. but they're not actually called to that place or to that career or to that ministry. And so then they think they're putting a lot of work in Mm -hmm. because they have capped themselves because that really shouldn't be in that position anyways. Um, and so I think that, yeah, spending a lot of time on it, 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 it's kind of, uh, it kind of depends because like you could be spending all the time that your capacity allows you to spend on that and still be bad because it's not your calling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not what you should be doing. Right. Right. Like that should be, um, that should be considered. Or if you are passionate about it, what you said is like, if you're passionate about this, you want to be the best at it. You're right. That's why calling, I think, does somewhat align with passion. It cannot be the number one thing. Yeah. Like I have mistaken a lot of things. Uh, well, not a, I guess not a lot of things, two or three different things that I'm passionate about that I think, oh, this should be my calling. I thought I was going to be a coach. Um, and I was just running away from what God actually told me to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm passionate about helping students and uh, coaching football. So, oh, I must need to be a coach, not a youth pastor. Forget that. When really in the back of my mind, I knew I was supposed to be a youth pastor, but I was going to school to be a, 
a uh, football coach. And, um, you know, so my passions, they kind of aligned, but not perfectly. I still wanted to help out teenagers. I still was passionate about calling young men to being better than what they could be on their own. Um, But I was navigating that and pointing it in the wrong direction, right? And so like, uh, and I've done that with music before. I've done that with athletics for my own self before. Um, And so like, I think that your, your calling does have to align with something that you're passionate about, something that you're gifted in. Uh, But that's why it's important to know if it's a divine calling and a divine path, or if it's just people telling you, yeah, you're good at this. So you should go do this. Right. Yeah. um, I think it's super important to have people in the correct lane. This is one of the reasons why calling should be taken really seriously. I mean, it's taken sort of seriously, but I think a lot of times in the church context, people can just be placed to fill a need and they can say, okay, we're going to put this person here because this person fills this need. Um, even though this might not be their lane, we're going to put them in this lane and it'll be enough to keep us afloat. And the problem with that ends up being that because that person isn't like, they don't have the desire. They, they, they never end up getting past a certain point. So I played baseball with this guy a long time ago and he was head and shoulders better than anyone else around in my Mm -hmm. community. Okay. Um, but he just wasn't into it. Um, that wasn't his thing. Like he, he liked to hunt and fish. Like that was his passion. He didn't really, he played baseball because he was that much better than everyone else. But here's the thing. If he went to like a bigger city somewhere where there were other guys that were as good as him, but were also passionate about baseball, they would run circles around him. Um, and that's the difference because people who love baseball are going to work on it mm-hmm. and they're going to love working on it mm-hmm. and they're going to love getting better. And those are the people you want in the lane like those are the people you want in those positions because it's shocking how much better they are even than somebody who's just got a lot of natural talent but no drive it's it's not enough talent isn't enough if you don't have attention if you don't have will if you don't have motivation all that stuff fueling it it just it won't cut it so think about it this way like that goes to my point of like a lot of people um adults, peers, friends, whatever, will will tend to push others into a calling. So that guy, for instance, well, he's head and shoulders above. So I'm sure he had people telling him, dude, you're created for this, man. God right. gave you a gift. You've got to use this gift. Uh, you know, he's given you the ability to play play baseball and you need to make it happen. Uh, that's who. That's what you're called to be. When in all actuality, that wasn't probably what he was called to be. Right. If he has yeah. no desire for it, then it's not. Yeah, he might have had a gifting, um, but that's more like just kind of natural ability. Mm-hmm. But if it's not also coupled with a desire and a passion, I think, I think there's a little bit of a dissonance there mm-hmm. that is not a divine calling. You know, it's like, oh, I just have talents. Like, I personally have talents that I could use. Um, like, I'm a pretty athletic dude, but. I thought that was what I was supposed to be called to do. It is not. And mm-hmm. it has been very, every time I have nearly ascended the mountain, something has happened. Uh, not recently, but just like, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was younger, like I would nearly reach the the top and about to get my break. And oh man, something happened. Right. Or yeah. like something fluky would happen, man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm not. Yeah, I'm really athletic, but maybe I'm not meant for this. Um, yeah you know, maybe I'm not meant to go down this path. And so even though I'm gifted at this, it doesn't mean anything. Um, even if I'm passionate about it, it doesn't mean 
as much, right? Like, I think that when we talk about gifting and calling, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but I, I, I want to make sure I give context to this. I think when you look at your gifting, you look at your call, or sorry, you look at your calling, you have to look at at least three areas. You have to look at what am I, what am I gifted at? What am I passionate about? And in my pursuit of Christ, what is he leading me to? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, that's what's so important, right? Like, cause you can have a talent or you can have a passion for things that are inherently good things. But if it's not what Christ is leading you to, then it is not a calling. Yeah. Like if you're, if the thing you think your calling is, is pulling you away from Jesus and making you less Christ-like when you deploy it, then it's probably not your calling. Or yeah. if it is, you're just badly misusing it, which I think is also a possibility. So, okay. So when it comes to calling, so there's this thing called the 10,000 hour rule. And the idea is that if you Malcolm spend... Malcolm Gladwell. Is that who that was? Yes. Oh, cool. Awesome. It, well, nice. he wrote the book Outliers and it came from that. What it, He might not have come up with that, but it's in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell about like people who are at the absolute top and yeah, sorry, I stole your thumb. No, yeah, you but did it better not, than I would Not have. many times do I get to drop a name in a book in yeah. this podcast. Usually it's you or Caleb doing it, so I'm going to take my, my know, chance. This, this is a moment. <laughs> I'll just sit on this for... <laughs> um, so the idea being that you could just spend 10,000 hours doing something, practicing at something, and then master it. So if that's true, does that mean that you're calling has to be something that you're good at or could you take something like for me um you've seen me try to count rhythm like Mm -hmm. for drums and stuff and it's just hilarious (laughs) it's really bad and (laughs) i was actually at the gym a couple nights ago and i was thinking i wonder what kendall would say if i asked him if i could run ableton from the drums like how he would receive that question Like, A, it would be hard to run Ableton back there. But uh-huh. B, is he actually asking if he can play drums? Yes. <laughs> and so... The answers are no to both. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So um, is it possible to just be so abysmally bad at something that, okay, that's just not it. Like, you're not... You shouldn't, you shouldn't go mm-hmm. after that. Or are we just a blank slate and you can grind and grind and grind and become top three at some uh, point. I don't think there is an either or. I think it's like in some areas you are a blank slate and in some areas you have a propensity. You're already leaning that way, like based off genetics, based. So for instance, uh, musically, right? Like um, I had a bent towards music because my mom was on a vocal scholarship and my dad was on a band scholarship. So like, so I'm be- not going to not grow up around music. So before you even started practicing seriously, you still had yeah. a, an affinity for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understood it like to some degree. And part of it came from my dad. Like I remember my dad when I was four five, six, would do like rhythmic exercises with me, like syncopation rhythmic exercises with my hands and my feet before I ever played the drums, before he ever told me I could play the drums or whatever he was doing those things with me just for fun. Like just cause yeah. we didn't have YouTube back then. So it's like, well, how do I get this kid to stop crying and whining? Uh, I'm going to play a game with him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so he was, you know, he'd play rhythmic games with me. Um, or my mom would encourage me to sing or whatever like that. And I was garbage when I was younger, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But like, I also had a bent towards that because of the, uh, because of the family I grew up in. So it's almost like, um, the, uh, the nature versus nurture um, yeah. kind of idea, right? Like we we kind of are a blank slate 
but at the same time, like it's almost it's almost impossible to say what it what came first or what was more important. That's why nature versus nurture is such like a a deep, profound like it's such a profound right. topic to look at. Why did this person become this way? Was it where they grew up and how they grew up, or is it just in them? Yeah. And um, it's almost impossible to tell, right? Like to to some degree, it's almost impossible to tell. And I would say that it's kind of the same thing with talent, like. To get to 10,000 hours, I did it one time. I think it's nine years, just over nine years. So if you were like to practice two, I might be completely wrong on this math. Um, you wouldn't know, but uh, yo, people yeah. listening There's no way know. I'm going to get this right. Because um, I, <laughs> I did it a couple of weeks ago, actually, for somebody. I was doing the math on it. And I think it's like if you were to practice two hours a day, seven days a week, um, then you could amass 10,000 hours in uh, like nine and a half years or something like that. Um and that's two hours a day, every day for nine years. And so like at some point in trying to amass 10,000 hours, you get to where like you're going to have the beginners, not luck, but the beginners uh, return on investment, essentially. Like the earlier you start, or sorry, uh, uh, the earlier in those 10,000 hours, so like zero to 2,000, you're going to be improving so fast. And you're going to see gains and you're going to see all this stuff. You get to 5,000 hours. Again, you're still going to be improving. Maybe not that much, right. but you're still improving. That five to 10, that's a grind. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's really, really mastering a craft. So I would imagine that by the two to 4,000 range, mm -hmm. you're going to know whether or not you like this or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you, even if you just did quick math, like 14, uh, that'd be 14 hours a week. 52 weeks a year. Uh, so let's just say 50 weeks a year, you skip two weeks for holidays. Uh, if you did 50 weeks a year, that's 520 hours a year that you could spend if you did it two hours a week or two hours a day per week. For a year would be 500 and, uh, what did I say, 520? Yeah, 520 hours a week. Yeah, so. So at man, some point, that's... wouldn't you realize that, I'm, I don't, I, maybe I'm not for this. Yeah, and it, it might just be, when you start something off new, a lot of people like new beginnings and a lot of people, well, I don't know if this is also true. Some people like learning things. And so I think there are people, I think it's called Renaissance personality, somebody who enjoys the process of learning something new, getting good at it. And then once they've done that, they kind of get bored and they go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so they end That's up being like a, a jack of all trades and a master. Yep, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so you have to identify, you kind of have to pin down whether or not this thing that you've started out is something that you will be able to stay engaged with over the long term or yeah. whether you're just the kind of person who likes to learn things and likes to get good at things. Because mm -hmm. I think those those two things could exist at the same time. But you would figure that out, you know, 5,000 hours yeah. in. So for me, like uh, graphic design, right? Graphic design and video editing. Like... I do not all of the graphic design for United, but I do some of it um, and I kind of oversee it. I do pretty much all the video editing for United and I can turn out stuff that looks pretty good. It's kind of professional quality. Like it's nice, but that I am, I am maxing out. <laughs> like <laughs> I am not going any further than anything you see on Instagram or YouTube. I can't, I just don't have the capacity to do so. Um, I love doing it. It's a hobby. It is not a, I'm passionate and I'm creating in my, you know, basement late at night. Like that's not what I do. I just can do it and I enjoy doing it 
and I can fill a need, right? But that is not my calling. Okay, so my that's calling is not to create content for Instagram and YouTube. It's just something I can do, so I do. Um, and just like you were saying, like I'm good enough at it that I can keep it at a level, but I'm not putting any other extra hours into it. Yeah, well, that, that's that's actually really interesting because it seems like there's a difference then between loving to do something or enjoying doing something. There's a difference between that and being passionate about something. Um, there's a difference between like, there's something else at play. That's, I almost, I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Cause the word passion is where it's at. Passion actually, if I remember right. Okay. So when you're talking about the passion of the Christ, right? The passion of the Christ, the, the derivative of the word passion actually means to sacrifice or to suffer mm. like, and so, and I mean, I could look up the Greek word right now, but I don't want to have dead air to look it up, mm -hmm. but that is the derivative of the word passion. That's why it's called passion week. It's a week full of sacrificing and suffering essentially from Christ's perspective. Right. Um, and so when we look at that word, we think passion is all joy and passion is all, I can't wait for this and I love it. And I wake up in the morning and I'm like, let's freaking go. I'm about this life. <laughs> you know, let's wake mm -hmm. up and get the bread. Like that's how we think about passion, but that's actually not what passion is. Mm. Passion is, I love this so much that I'm willing to stick it out when it sucks. Yeah. I love this so much that when it's really freaking hard, I'm not going to give up. And when it gets harder, I'm going to push harder. So, um, you know, when you see me, when you see me in the gym, right? I've expressed that many times where like, we'll be working out and uh, I'm like, I am gonna hate this workout. Yeah. I, don't, I did it yesterday to you. I was like, this is gonna suck. I don't wanna do this. Yeah. And I knew that that workout was coming two days ago and I saw it and I'm like, that's gonna be terrible. But do I wake up in the morning and go, you know that workout's today? I'm out. Yeah. That would not be passionate. <laughs> Fitness would not be my passion at that point in time. But because I'm willing to put in the sacrifice, because I'm like, you know what? It sucks to wake up early. It sucks to have to go suffer this early in the gym, but I'm passionate about this. I'm going to do it regardless, right? And that would be a passion. Yeah. A passion is like art, video. Eh. <laughs> like, right. If it gets hard, I'm like, I need to figure out an easier workaround of this because I yeah. don't really want to learn the right way to do it. I just want to learn the quick way to do it that I can get it out there fast. And yeah. so I'm not willing to suffer on that end, right? I'm not willing to press through on that end. So that's a good indicator. So sometimes the difficulty isn't determining what you don't like and what you do like and trying to find your calling from there. It's it's parsing out the things that you enjoy and you love doing versus the things you're willing to suffer for, yeah. that you're willing, you to, willing sacrifice to sacrifice for. Yeah, so you're yeah. gifted, gifted and talented. That's usually like something you're good at and you you might even like that. Then it's passion. What Are you willing to suffer for that thing? Are you willing to work harder than anybody or to work harder than what you think you can work hard for? So this, this kid that played baseball with you, he's gifted, but he's not passionate. He's not willing right. to sacrifice for that. Yeah. So 
that's not your calling. That's not your lane, man. Yeah, and you'll never be able to beat the people or even compete on a level with the people who are willing to sacrifice, yeah. no matter how gifted you and let's, are at let's anything. Even, it doesn't yeah. have to be sports. It can and be even, anything. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I love competition. I'm passionate about competition. I will suffer for a competition. But <laughs> I also think like when you're looking at it from a biblical perspective, or not even biblical, just a, a discipleship perspective, a, a Christianity perspective, following Christ, right? Um, it's not necessarily competitive. It's just like... Like, am I, am I going to suffer for the cause of Christ? Am I going to suffer for what I believe Christ has called me to? Am I going to do this based off of what I believe God has called me to do? Um, and that the answer is no, then man, you're probably not called to that area. You know, like yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people, um, will start out in a uh, quote unquote ministry. And I've seen this many places. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, you're talking about this person uh, at this church. No, I'm not. I'm talking about this. I've, <laughs> I've been in ministry for 15 years now, uh, at least full time. And I've seen a ton of stuff and a ton of people come and go. In fact, most of my friend group that I grew up with that had become pastors or were trying to become pastors are no longer hardly even in church. And the reason why is because I had this one particular friend who felt like he was called to ministry, but it seemed like, and his life was hard, like, and things, they just didn't always work out easy for him. And I noticed that, um, but he wasn't willing to continue to suffer. He's like, nope, I'm out, man. I can't keep doing this. I'm not making enough money. Uh, I'm not getting enough accolades. Like I'm not, you know, I don't get any recognition and this sucks. And so like, I would say, well, either he is called and he's just not working towards that. Um, or maybe he's just not called to ministry and right. thought that it would be really cool because we grew up as interns together and got to do a lot of fun, cool stuff. But when you actually get into the work of ministry and you have to deal with people and their junk and, you know, uh, your junk in the midst of that, when you have to deal with, uh, you know, when you have to mourn with those who mourn, and weep with those who weep and, and be joyful with those who are rejoicing. Like when you have to go through that valley and that mountain of emotions yeah. every day and all the time, a lot of people don't want to suffer for that. And that's okay because you're probably not called. Because guess right. what? When you're called to something, God gives you the grace to be passionate about something. Yeah. And if you're not called, you should get out because yeah. what you're doing is you're taking up space of people who would be called. And so yes. everyone loses in that dude, situation. There are so many, there are so many, let's just do, let's just talk about this for a second. <laughs> there are so many pastors, um, who are called to shepherd, but they're not called to preach. Yeah. <laughs> and they are doing a really bad job of preaching and they're not shepherding. There's also a lot of preachers who are called to preach and to teach and they are not called to shepherd people mm -hmm. and they're trying to shepherd people and they are failing miserably <laughs> mm -hmm. and they're hurting a lot of people. Yeah. That's where a lot of church hurt comes from, right? Like the actual valid church hurt comes from people, ministers, yeah. a lot of times operating in a place that they're not called to operate into, you know? Um, but saying, well, this is what I have to do because it's what I was told to do and this is what a pastor does and so this is what a preacher does and this is what is expected of me. It's like, no, what has God called you to do? What has he called you to be? Who has he called you to be? Um, and what has he graced you with? Yeah. And if he's graced you with the ability to get better, then you're going to get better at whatever he's called you to do. He's going to give you that grace, I believe. Like, it, it's kind of like a, 
it's a, you're, you're working in tandem mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit, essentially, right? Like he's giving you the grace, but you have to take the step or not. And that's where that passion comes in. Like, am I willing to suffer for this or not? I've sometimes wondered about the pat on the term in terms of pastors, right? Um, if you have like a lead pastor, who's really good at pastoral things, who's really good at shepherding, shepherding, but is not, mm-hmm. the person's not called to preach. Mm-hmm. I actually think it would be better if that lead pastor appointed someone to preach and teach who what who wasn't the leader but they he, he was willing to give up that office percent. to that person and vice versa so if you yeah. have like a lead pastor who's really good at preaching and teaching but not so much at shepherding then they should have and this is more common i think for yeah. like a, a an associate to come in and do pastoral care and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's not very common to see a lead pastor who doesn't take the preaching role yeah and i think that I don't know why that is. I think it's because people think that whoever's preaching and teaching is the leader. And maybe there's like a, a fear and the lead pastor who's yeah. not meant to be preaching that, Oh, if I give this office up to somebody else, then the church is going to split or like, you know, they're going to start thinking that this guy's the leader. Like, I don't know what it would be, but I feel like churches would work a lot better if they followed that model. Yeah. And sometimes, well, I mean, there's something called the fivefold ministry that comes from Ephesians, uh, five, four, Ephesians, somewhere, Ephesians something. <laughs> it comes from Ephesians. I know that for sure. You can look it up. It comes from Ephesians and uh, it's a, it's called the fivefold ministry. Like to some, he gave prophets and to some he gave teachers. Right. Um, and it's uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. So apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And that's the fivefold ministry. And when you take a spiritual gifts test, um, if you were to take a spiritual gifts test, if you maxed out all of those, you would be lying to yourself and baby Jesus. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. you don't have all five gifts because guess who did? And is the only person who did Mm -hmm. that's Jesus himself. He's the only one who had all five ministries and just down pat perfect. Right. Um, but there, there, um, you're going to lean one way or another, or you're going to have like, so for me personally, um, I'm more apostolic and, uh, and evangelistic, like in nature, that's kind of the way that I would do things. I am not as good, uh, with shepherding, um, and not really prophetic in, in many ways. Um, cause really a new Testament prophet is like, uh, like part of their job, part of the office is to, uh, to encourage and to admonish and that kind of stuff. And I mm-hmm. do that to some degree, but, uh, my encouragement sounds like you can be better. That's what my encouragement. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so stop, that's why like stop being so bad, <laughs> that's why apostolic and evangelistic is really where I've been towards because, um, an apostle is someone who really kind of goes in and blazes a trail essentially. Um, and kind of, uh, like church planters would be, uh, apostles essentially, um, those who like plant a church and then they go somewhere else and they plant a church and they go somewhere else and they plant a church and they, they leave it off. Apostle Paul is like the perfect uh, example of this. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you have, uh, you have evangelists, which would be for me, like that is being evangelistic in nature. Like the gospel is central. I don't care about the other doctrine, like doctrinal issues. I'm worried about leading you to Jesus and that is it. Right. And, and um, then you have the opposite of that as teacher, like that's going to teach you all the deep things of scripture and the character of God. And like, I have some of that, but not as much. I know that when, if I ever become a lead pastor, I am going to have to have someone in the role that does a better job of teaching and that does a better job of shepherding. I'm going to have to, 
I can be visionary, apostolic, like let's go freaking take the mountain. Let's do something. This is going to be awesome. But I need people who are going to be better teachers and better shepherds than I am. Because I can preach, but like I, I think I'm gifted in some degree in teaching, but that's not necessarily my main thing. Um, my main thing is more being a visionary. This is We've kind of seen this played out with United even. Um, like we staff United based off of everybody's weaknesses, not just mine, based off of everybody's weaknesses. Um, like we understand that each one of us fits way more into one of those fivefold ministries, um, than, than the other four or whatever. And so that's kind of how we've, we've approached this as well. Like, I know yeah. that I'm not called, I'm called to somewhat pastor. Like I do pastor people, but it's a very small group of people. Um, and, uh, and I, I don't believe that I'm necessarily, uh, gifted or that my ministry is, oh, you're going to be super shepherding. I think I told you one time, <laughs> I think I told you one time that the shepherd sometimes has to use his staff, yeah. uh, to get the sheep in line and that, and that, uh, you know, sometimes the shepherd has to like come, bu- come beside the sheep and like love them very tenderly. And, yeah. uh, I do not have the very loving tender side yeah, uh, as much. Smack so, them with the staff. so me and Caleb work great <laughs> together <laughs> because Caleb, uh, with United is a, we actually called him the tender lover of sheep. Like yep. <laughs> he loves to love people and I love people, but in a way that like, I want you, come on, we can do better. Let's go. Like yeah. I want to champion you and I want to coach you. Um, but, me coming alongside and giving you a hug and being empathetic with you is very difficult for me to do. Um, that doesn't mean I don't need to be working on that, but that also means that that's not necessarily my part of my fivefold ministry at the top, right? Well, yeah, I mean, there's something just stupidly arrogant about people who think that their skill set transcends all areas and that it just applies everywhere. And so, just I don't know how many people in this demographic will have watched like a Billy Graham crusade, but you can find them on YouTube and they're kind of cool. Um, but you can imagine like a Bible teacher or a theologian at a Billy Graham crusade and it just wouldn't work. Like Billy Graham evangelist, Billy Graham, his, his ability to exhort and to draw people into the gospel was unparalleled for the, for his time. But I don't think he's like, uh, you know, a, a Billy Graham crusade is not going to go into the five points of Calvinism or whatever. Like it's not going to go into deep doctrinal issues. And it, in the same way, if you took Billy Graham and you put him in like a, like a graduate classroom and he was doing his thing in that context, it would feel weird. Like if you're just sitting there with 15 other people and you have this guy who's like preaching and exhorting to this room of 20 people, like it just, it wouldn't work as well. And so there are areas where your skill set applies and then there are areas where it doesn't apply and making sure that you're humble enough to get out of the way and to steer the correct people toward the correct spots, I think is crucial to the health of the body of Christ as a whole. And I think that's one of the things that's really hard to, um, it's hard to do sometimes for people. And I think a lot of it is associated with pride, but a lot of it is just, sometimes it's just associated with HR, just not having enough people, you know? And so that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's part of the, like, that's part of the third thing that I was talking about with like, are you talented? Are you gifted at it? Are you passionate about it? And is it what Christ is calling to you right now? Like, is it, is it what, 
Is it what Christ is asking you to do right now? And there's many times where we think that, oh, God's just not calling me right now to this. You know, it's really hard, and I'm just not so sure that God's calling me to this, and that's just not, that doesn't fit my gifting, and so I'm not called to this right now. Man, sometimes God calls you to serve in stuff you hate. Right, yep. To develop you so that you get to serve in things that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it is a hundred percent true. God uses people who are humble, who are who are washing the feet, if you will. Right? Please, Lord, don't ask me to wash feet. I hate feet. <laughs> but like, um, but uh, you look at Jesus, right? Like that's his that's his model. Like he's he's fulfilling his gifting in in fulfilling his calling in every single thing that he does. But he's being the most lowly of servants um, in his time on earth, right? And so there are some things that you are going to have to do or that you're going to be called to do to serve the local church or to serve the local body or the local ministry or whatever that you're just like, I don't like this, but you know what? It's what the kingdom of heaven needs right now. Yeah. And it could be like you were saying, it could be what you need. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be like, that's the thing is if you go straight to whatever it is you love doing most and you're only ever doing that, then you're going to miss, you're going to, you're not going to be equipped the same way as a person is who uh, has gone through the fire and has gone through the difficult seasons and has been put in situations where they had to get up the gumption to go and to get stuff done, even though they weren't feeling passionate, even though they weren't feeling inspired. And so you're just, you're not going to have the same tools that that person has if you've never had to go through those struggles. Mm -hmm. Remember, Passion is suffering and passion is sacrifice. So if I'm passionate, for instance, for me, I'm passionate about leading worship. I'm passionate about leading ministries and helping people be the best they can. And I'm passionate about uh, preaching. Like I'm passionate about those things, right? Um, So I'm willing to sacrifice for those things that I will one day eventually get to do. When I first started at Summit, I was not being able to do any of those things. I was behind the scenes. I was running cameras. I was uh, leading a production team and doing stuff like that, that honestly, I'm not very passionate about. I, I like it. I understand it. I can be gifted in that area. I grew up around those technical things, but that's not something I'm passionate about. I don't want to sacrifice for that, but the sacrifice is not for, was not for staying in that position, the sacrifice was for, yeah, but I know that there's something else to come. And I know that this is not where I'm going to, this is not where I'm going to end up. So I'll sacrifice right now. Cause I know where I'm going to end up. And this is going, I'm going to be required to do this. This is going to teach me some things, or this is just where I got to be right now so that I can enter into what God has called me to do. Yeah. See, we want, we want God, we want God to call us and then give us the platform right now. And then maybe not necessarily a platform, but call us and give us everything we need right in the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, God, you've called me to do this. I'm doing it. But that's not biblical. That's not even the way that God works, right? Like look at freaking Abraham, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Actually, uh, this last week um, at Summit, like look at Abraham. Yeah. God told him, I've got this promise for you. And he's like, great, let's do it. Yeah. And then it's like, nah, you're going to have to wait 25 years yeah, so like, <laughs> yeah, uh, And then, oh, by the way, I'm also going to ask you to sacrifice what I just gave you. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's see if you're passionate about it. Let's see if you're willing, you know, like, and so, I mean, it's just, it's true. Look at, look at the coming Messiah. What is it? 600 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Like people just left in the dark. 
I mean, they got mm. the they got the prophets telling them that the Messiah is coming. He's gonna he's gonna release them from Babylon. He's gonna you know he's gonna do all these things like, oh, and then six hundred years later, we haven't heard a word from you. Mm-hmm. At least it's not recorded. We haven't heard a word from you. And then all of a sudden something happens. And then they gotta wait thirty more years after that. Thirty three more years after that. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a lot of waiting. Yeah, that's so much waiting. And the thing too, like, so this is the hard part, right? Um, if you're going to be in the waiting, and if you're going to be doing the things that you struggle to do or that you're not that you don't desire to do the way to do that in such a way that honors God is so that the people around you can't tell that you're not passionate about it or it's hard for them to tell like you can tell if you get close enough to somebody but that's one of the things like you were saying when you started at summit and like being in production and everything when I got here, you were still in production and I couldn't tell that you weren't passionate about it. Like I thought that was one of your, that was your jam just because you were trying to do it. Well, you're trying to be excellent at it, even though that's not where your gift or where your, uh, your passion was. And so, but that's, man, that is, I say that and people, you hear this and you think, okay, well, yeah, it's easy to say. And then it is easy to say it is very, very difficult to do. Um, but that's the thing is like when you're in those seasons, I think that that's the goal is to strive for that strive so that, the people around you can't tell that you're not working in your calling or that it's harder for them to tell. I mean, like I said, they get close enough to you, they're probably going to be able to tell. If they know you enough, they're going to be able to tell. And that's fine. I'm not saying that you should be trying to deceive people, but uh, you know, just onlookers would be like, oh, that that person's doing a good job and they're doing it. They're doing a good job because they're trying to honor God. And I think that that's an important part of it. So, okay. So what happens when you end up settling for less than your calling? And so the I think the most common place where this happens is when people sell out. So for instance, I know that I'm called to do one thing, but I happen to be really gifted at another thing. And the thing I'm gifted at happens to pay a lot of money. Um, so that's a difficult decision to make because I know that I'm going to be refusing my calling if I take this career path, but it's going to enrich me what what happens when a person does something like that what happens when a person denies their calling what's what does that look like for them spiritually what's the cost on their life okay so if someone denies the calling of christ right of what they're supposed to be doing um i think matthew says it best what does it profit a man when he gains the whole world but loses his soul Mm -hmm. right like you could gain the whole world it could look like it's your calling you're gifted in it you're making tons of money, hmm, but you're still missing something. Right. So I think a this is not a finished product, and this is uh, so. This is not me saying I know for sure this is the case, or I'm just going on what I've observed. Take Justin Bieber for instance, mm-hmm. right? Justin Bieber is obviously gifted and talented and called to do music. Like that fool is good. Okay, even if you don't love him as a person. He's a good musician, great singer. And for a long time, at least in my observation, he wasn't serving God at all. Mm -hmm. Didn't care. Was very clear that he wasn't living a Christian life. And now in the past five years, you've started to see a major shift in him, right? Where he's leading worship with Chandler Moore of Maverick city at church home where like, and he's not perfect. He still gets his peaches in Georgia and his, you know, weed down in California. So like, (laughs) it tells you about it. So he's not perfect by any means. However, um, he's, 
it seems like he's pursuing more of Christ. Like yeah. he put out a gospel album, which mm -hmm. is really good. It's called uh, Freedom, I believe. And it's really stinking good. Um, and so like he's starting to pursue that mm -hmm. because he realized he had gained the entire world. Right. But there's still something missing. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you're still going, you could be at the top. I mean, Bieber was at the top pretty right. much oh, still yeah. is at the top and recognize something is missing here. Yeah. And so like, maybe he was called to actually be a, a, a worship leader. Maybe he was called to write music for, uh, to bring people to Christ. And maybe this is a part of the whole thing that he's called to right? And, but, but it still took that, that thing of like, okay, I don't, I actually don't have it all. I thought I did, yeah. but I don't have it all. And you see this through people all the time through the richest people in the world. Uh, there's still something there more. There's still something more. There's still something more. And if you were to read biographies of people who have converted after, you know, after fame and after fortune, you would read, man, I thought I had it all, but I was, I was missing out. Right. There's a guitarist from and this might be a little dated but i mean they're still kind of relevant from the band corn uh brian head welch like i read his book it's called save me from myself and so like uh corn if you don't know is like a freaking heavy like death band right like they <laughs> they're they're good but they were not at all christians one bit mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he got saved and it it happened because um he realized that he was still suicidal and he was still a drug addict and he still had all these issues and all these problems, even though he had everything he ever wanted. Yeah. Um, as a rock God, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I read his biography and that's what it's about. It's like, but I didn't have anything. Yeah. So if you sell out and you think, well, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm gifted in it. And that must be what God called me to do. Uh, man, the chances of you losing your soul are, freaking high yeah and that's a man it's a super lonely spot to be in when if you've done everything you can do to supposedly bring yourself satisfaction and you don't know where to go next like that's a bad spot because there's no upward trajectory at all um there's no option anymore and so you just yeah. have to live with that pain that emptiness and i think that it you know that's one of the things that following Christ gives you that you don't have outside of the mm -hmm. faith is it gives you an eternal pursuit. Essentially, yeah. there's always an upward trajectory. There's always something that you can do next to be. There's always, more there's always hope, right? Like that's the point of not the, the point. <laughs> one of the points of being a Christian is that there's always hope that no matter where you're at, there's always hope for eternal glory. There's always hope that it's not always going to be like this. Right. There's hope that like I'm going to have something greater. There's something greater on the other side, if you will, for me. Right. Like that is what really pushes you through. But I mean, we see that all the time with celebrities, even Kanye. Right. Like mm -hmm. Kanye, as weird as he is, and like mm -hmm. as theologically uh, <laughs> based sometimes as he is, like he still had an epiphany and had a major shift in his mindset and in his heart. Like that. Maybe he's still really prideful sometimes, a lot of times, but it's not all about making the money and being famous. Yeah. It's about something deeper and there's something more here. And so like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to you if you miss out on your calling. Um, and I want to, I want to rephrase that. I don't know exactly what's going to happen to you if you decide to run away from what Christ wants you to do. Uh, but it's not going to be good. I know that. 
it's yeah. going you're going to end up feeling completely empty on the inside. Even if it is ministry, even if you're doing ministry and you're like, yeah, full-time ministry, that's my calling. Mm-hmm. If that's not really your calling, you're going to feel so empty. Right. Um and the reason why I wanted to rephrase the like if you miss your calling, right? Is like that feeds into the perpetuation of you got to have it all figured out. You got to know yeah. what you're supposed to do. There's a really easy way to figure out your calling. The easiest of ways, honestly. Pursue Christ, and as you pursue Christ, everything else is going to be added. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will yep, be added. Right there. The way that Christ called his disciples was, come and follow me. And that's it. He didn't tell them, come and follow me. Guys, we're going to go do this thing. We're going to go do that thing. By the way, now you're an apostle. Uh, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> yeah. didn't, He didn't do any of that. He just said, Drop what you're doing and come follow me. Yeah, but where are we going? Just come follow me. Mm-hmm. Well, what are we going to do? Just come follow me. You'll see. You'll see along the way. And that's the thing. Like, if you don't want to miss out on your calling, you know what you should do? You should pursue Christ with everything you possibly have. Yeah. You should be passionate about your relationship with Christ. What is passion? It's not, oh, I love worship music and I love crying at the altar or I love a good word that I can say, wow, too. No, that is not passion. Passion is sacrificing. Passion is sacrificing your desire for what Christ wants. Passion is is saying, I'm going to lay down what I want and I'm going to pick up my cross and follow Christ. And following him is what reveals your calling to you. Yeah, that's a great place to wrap this up. I think like the security that is inherent in seek first the kingdom of God and all of this will be added to you. Everything else will be added to you. That's that gives you a sense of security going forward, I think, because that just tells you, like you've been saying this whole time, you don't have to have it all figured out as long as you're pursuing Jesus. And as long as you're sacrificing for that aim, um, you know, things are going to work out for you. Yeah. Uh, before we leave, I wanted you. To, I want you to ask four questions. I don't want you to ask. I want the listener to ask four questions real quick about. I think it's four. I'm pulling back up. It is four. Look at that. Questions to gauge if you're fulfilling your calling. Right. Okay. Am I drawing near to God by reading my Bible? Are you? Because if you're not well, then you're probably going to miss your calling because you don't know the word of God. You don't know the character of God. You don't know the mission of God. And so therefore you cannot know what you're supposed to do. You're going to feel empty in everything you do. Um, Which that's been my major soapbox this year is like, read your Bible, people. Get into the word. I'm not perfect at it. Guess what? I miss some days. Maybe you don't, Michael. But there's some days I miss the Bible. Like I don't get it. But there's almost no day that I don't have a scripture reference come to mind, Mm -hmm. right? Or that I use it in something. So are you reading your Bible? Are you drawing near to God by reading your Bible? Do you hear and obey God's voice while praying? And that doesn't mean that you hear an audible voice. It's that like, do you feel impressions? Like, do you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you about like convicting or uh, compelling or, you know, encouraging? Do you feel connected while you're praying? Are you praying? That's, you know, I would add that to that question. Uh, number three, are you inviting the Holy Spirit to be in each moment of your day? Like Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, give me wisdom today as I, as I go on this path. I, I need you every day. I need you because he's going to lead you. Okay. And then fourthly, do I love my gift, my talent, or my ministry more than God? Mm-hmm, do I yeah. love, am I pursuing what I'm doing more than I'm pursuing the one who gave me the ability to do it? Yeah. So are you reading your Bible? Are you praying, listening to God while you pray, sitting in silence, listening? Are you inviting the Holy Spirit in each moment of your day? 
And do you love what you do more than you love God? Man, those are really good questions to meditate on. Hey guys, thank you for listening in today to the Uloft podcast. We are on break right now for United, but we are coming back when? Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's uh, either the last Tuesday of August or the first Tuesday of September. I think it is August 29th. Yeah. But we'll be back at you guys with more specifics. <laughs> we'll be back on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, in either August or September. <laughs> yeah. Just, just guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, we'll be back at you with more specifics as we continue to release content over the summer and we get closer to the restart of the new semester. But it's been really good to be with you guys today and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Deuces. Thank you for listening to the Uloft podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Also, come out and join us for a Unite every Tuesday at 7.27 p.m. This is a time of music, friends, and important teaching. You don't want to miss it. You can learn more about Unites, as well as everything else we do, by visiting unitediup.com. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode.